0: The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give.
1: Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 166.
0: Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only
2: hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing.
1: It's against my programming to impersonate a deity.
2: That's not how the Force works.
1: Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing.
2: Remember... Force will be with you always.
1: Hello there, everyone. I'm Mike Creevy, aka Old Ben, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Please be sure to share this podcast on Twitter or Facebook and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review, good rating, any way that you can do that. There's a lot of ways to do that, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show, too. So uh, we're going to jump right in, though, today, though, because we're talking about Vision Season 2. We're picking back up with another pairing here to discuss, and tonight we're taking a closer look specifically at Episode 5, Journey to the Darkhead. In episode six, The Spy Dancer. So joining me tonight to do that is first up, Patrick Mason. How are you doing, Patrick?
0: Ah, just peachy. Glad to be here.
1: Good, good. And Jason Yuji, how are you doing? I am so blessed. How are y'all? Doing good. I, I, um, I do have one news item I want to share real quick. I, I take back what I said. This isn't so much a big, huge Star Wars news, and, but this is an exclusive, and it's, it's a sort of a... Uh, turning myself in here. It's kind of an embarrassing quick story. But my family and I went down to Washington, D.C. to go on this little pilgrimage thing a few weeks ago. We live about two hours away from there. And for like a few weeks before that, I had been in uh, text contact with none other than Father Fett himself, who was studying canon law at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. And the plan was that he was going to meet us. I was going to text him when we got down there, and he was going to meet us, and we were going to you know, kind of walk around together and hang out. About an hour into our return drive home that night, I freak out and lean over to my wife and I'm like, I completely forgot to text father. Oh, man. I was like, I completely, we got there with the kids, you know, you're getting strollers and stuff out. You're like, oh, watch out. There's buses there. Like, you know, and you get in and we walked around, we're checking everything out and I'm just in dad mode and I completely get never, never once, you know, and on the DC traffic, I was so embarrassed and I texted him later and I was like, I told him everything and he just laughed. He's like, I just thought I got the day wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm happy to say at the time of this recording, um, you know, we're, we're going to try it again. I'm just going to go down myself, you know, uh, in a couple weeks. So I'll hopefully have a, a follow up on, on that and maybe a, maybe share a photo or something in Slack. So but uh, but let's let's jump in here today. Um, I asked you guys before we started. Uh, and I know Patrick, you'd said you've been on here uh, talking about visions. Uh, I haven't been on yet, you know, for any of these discussions. And and uh, I I was just curious, you know, for a minute or two here, if you guys want to kick off just with you know your impressions overall, you know, of of uh, this season, maybe versus season one, or just any overall takeaways you've had from it so far. I'm just curious.
0: You know, I think my biggest takeaway, or the the thing I like the most about this season compared to last season, is the variation of animation styles. Um, The the Vision Season 1 was done mostly by uh, Japanese and South Korean um, Asian studios for the most part, and there is kind of a distinctive style, uh, or I shouldn't say a a style, a distinctive set of styles that we got to see portrayed in Vision Season 1. There were a number of different um, styles within that sort of uh, animation Time span, I wanna say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and they were all good. And it it was good to see them, but it's been it's been a very different experience in Visions 2 seeing the animation studios kind of from around the world. We get a very different feel uh on how the animation functions, how the stories flow, uh the characters, just having characters who have accents. Right. Um, the vast majority of characters from Vision Season One were kind of the you know, I don't know how to call it, like non-accented English, you know, mm. the, the baseline English. <laughs> the the dub such style. A thing, styles right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, in this one, pretty much every episode, we are dealing with characters who are speaking English still, but they're speaking with an accent, uh, giving the feel mm-hmm. of more variety uh, within the Star Wars universe. Um, yeah. And and I really enjoyed that. I really loved the the sort of much wider breadth of animation styles. And then... Um, The story sets are are different as well. Um, They, from my experience, there's a lot more personalness. Mm. If I could make up a word (laughs) to the story. I'm good with it. (laughs) Yeah, but it, it seems to focus in a lot more on the individual's characters in the story and their sort of journey. There were a few episodes in Visions 1 that were like that, but a lot of them were sort of bigger kind of, the character was part of a bigger story sort of a thing.
2: Yeah.
0: And in Visions 2, a lot of it is just very much the character's journey itself. So um those are those yeah. are probably my two biggest takeaways.
3: Sure. Yeah, good. I think good I agree Jason, how about
0: with
3: you. I think I agree with Patrick in the the variety. Uh you know, of course the first episode we're gonna talk about looked just like that anime style. Yeah. But <laughs> but that's the that's the French uh, animation studio, right? I think the no. first one was the oh. South Korean. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, it's that that anime style that we got a lot of in season one. But it, uh, all the variation with you know the, you know the guys from Wallace and Gromit and yeah, uh, <laughs> that was you cool. know going back to that for just a second. I was, we watched that show so many times when my. My twins were little. My son yeah. just chicken run, chicken run,
2: chicken run. <laughs>
3: and and I watched that show and, and it just took me right back to when my kids were little. And then my son found chicken run on he's almost 19 and he found chicken run on Netflix and he turned it on and was just cracking up <laughs> like, you know, like he had never seen it before in his
1: life. <laughs> so sorry. Little
2: no, flashback then, to last last yeah, episode.
1: No. I'm, but, I'm with I'm with you on that too because and uh, the so show, I appreciate the on the stuff that that has yeah, come off that. Yeah, we love
3: that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know I I appreciate
3: seeing humor and and stuff like that. And then and then you have the the darker episodes. Um, with a lighter mm-hmm. note, both of these were kind of started out pretty dark and then had a mm-hmm. lighter note at the end. So I, yeah,
1: I enjoyed it. Well, let me just share here. So the uh, as as I like to do, I've got the brief little um, Wikipedia synopsis just because it's straight to the point here. But uh, the first one we've got is episode five. I guess it's 14 overall if they're counting the total, you know, Visions episodes, you know, across seasons. But this you know season two, episode five, Journey to the Dark Head. And the show description is, spoiler alert, as I always say, you've seen it probably everybody listening to this, but just in case. Skip ahead a little bit. So during the initial war between the Jedi and Sith, an adolescent monk named Ara believes that the statues on her home planet, whose stones around its base have foretelling abilities, control both light and dark, as one is lit in blue light and the other in red. She resolves to destroy the Dark Head in the belief it can turn the tide of the war. Years later, Ara, now a teenage mechanic, requests the Jedi Council for a bodyguard on her quest. They assign a young Padawan named Tool to the task, Tool has recently lost his master at the hands of a sadistic Sith Lord, Bishan, leaving him traumatized and in constant fear. The two of them collect supplies and head to the planet where Bishan chases them. They make it to the statues, but Ara realizes that both light and dark evenly flow between them, making it impossible to destroy. Tool overcomes his fear and with Ara's help manages to kill Bishan. The two of them then decide to continue journeying together. So that's the the overall synopsis. And uh, maybe this time I'll start with with uh you, Jason, here. I just uh I'm I'm well I want to ask you both this, but one question I have is how have you dealt with it or has it been a big deal or no big deal? How have you dealt with uh these visions episodes? Some kind of jumping so widely around different kinds of timelines of the Star Wars uh canon here, and has that really Ever been tricky to follow, or is that, does that debug you too much? I don't know. Well, the way I understand
3: it is none of them are officially canon, right? Yeah. So, so if you can, you know, there's still a lot of legends novels we would that's what we'd call them today, right? The legends novels that you know we can sit, go back and read, like Darth Plagueis and the. The original Thrawn trilogy that was written back in the early 90s, you know, I can put those on audiobook and be just as content and listen to those, even though we know that Disney Lucasfilm doesn't consider those part of the timeline. So, uh, I looked at Wikipedia earlier on this last one, it said that the timeline was ten thirty two b b y so a thousand oh. years you know that's what what they call that old republic I think um so that's old Republic timeline, but I still know it's not canon, so I can just enjoy it for a star
1: Wars story, you know for whatever it is has that been about the same for you, Patrick, as far as just getting you situated um, in the story, like just because, you know, I think the reason I'm asking is because it's, I, I don't know that I've had a hard time following it because I don't think it really matters so much, but sometimes I feel like the context of like, where am I with this cosmic battle between light and dark sometimes
0: helps. right? Yeah. It's, it's it, what bugs me is not so much that we are jumping around or that we're not canon or whatever that mm-hmm. means. It's, it's trying to figure out where, the heck in the timeline am I right now? Like, and and trying to put that in context. And usually, what I have to eventually do is go, okay, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and, and for some of them, it's rapidly obvious. Ah, we're in the Empire timeline. Right. Like, that's a pretty short timeline when yep. you really think about the scale <laughs> of the of the Star Wars universe, the way it's been expanded. Um, so those are easy. We can pinhole those, but the rest mm. of them. When, especially when they talk about wars between the Jedi and the Sith, you're kind of like, when are we exactly here? And then, yeah. Um, but going back to most of these stories being about individual people and their journeys, it doesn't matter so much. Uh, I have yeah. found I don't, I start to not care. As much, um, yeah. There's always a nerd inside of me that wants to place this, like,
2: have my giant
0: <laughs> wall map with all the timelines and little yeah. lines that run through it, and right. it, you know, this was when this empire like red but, string. And, you know, that's, that's right, exactly. Kind of like, <laughs> and I want to be able to place those things. But uh, I, I find that the important the important part really is not that, and it's not the yeah. historicity of it. It's the, you know, what's happening to the characters and their journeys as they go.
2: Yeah, and I
1: felt like this. You know, again, like you guys are saying, the diversity here of it. You know, it's it is so different than season one, but the fact that it is season two, I think, it's, it really started to sink in. Um, I try, I didn't try. I didn't watch them all right away. I tried to space them out a little bit, but it started to sink in that you know, okay, well, now this is now a familiar ish, right, kind of space now within Star Wars. As I, I season one, I didn't know what to expect at all. It was totally different kind of than anything we'd ever seen. And even though each one of these is a standalone thing, I think I'm finding a a familiarity, familiarity growing with it just from that, you know, that it is a a season two. I kind of know what this is about. Um, I know they're short. I know they don't necessarily, you know, fit in that timeline. So, um, so they do seem to play, I think according to the enough of the typical star Wars categories, you know, that I kind of know how to deal with it. Um, But, of course, in a minute, we'll get on this one, too. Probably the thing that I was wondering about the most or sort of trying to process the most and and reflect on uh, that might be, I don't know, a little bit different, you know, as far as that light versus dark thing, of course, because that comes up. But um, so what do you guys think, though, about this this monastery that Ara is in at the beginning? Uh, Maybe I'll I'll jump back to you, Patrick, to start this one off. Um, How do you think? I mean, did you? have any sort of thoughts on watching this? Like, uh, did it seem Jedi esque at first or did you kind of, you know, uh, take a different take on that? Cause it definitely seems to be, I mean, as they go through the scene, it seems to be that there's a, a different kind of thing. These guys are about, but uh, I was just curious what your take on this kind of prophecy school or whatever it is they're they're like a monastery you know like benedict and those guys keeping the records i don't know
0: right yeah the instructor like flat out says you know don't confuse this for a jedi temple right, right. so it's it's obviously some kind of temple because it gets referred to that way or and it also gets referred to in the credits as a sort of a monastery and her is a monk but the reality is it's it's it strikes me as like yet another version of what people could coalesce around the force. If you have this sort of mystical tradition that comes up around the force, you know, and always goes back to like the witches of Endor or, you know, whatever, <laughs> the, the, whatever group of, of folks that came up with a different way to relate to and use the force that was different from like the Jedi and the Sith and this seems to be like this planet or this school's philosophy about how to deal with it and the way the main character whose name i can never remember uh right. names, right. Ara <laughs> the way Ara puts it is you know i'm from a a temple that was way in the outer rim like it's not even just the outer rim it's way in the outer rim so it's way out there and the the conceptualization i have about the school it just strikes me very much as like it's one of those parts of the galaxy that doesn't matter to the main storyline. And so like their, their philosophical interaction with the force, how they deal with it, like, and then the conceptualization of like who built these statues or these, you know, it's hard to call them statues because they're as big as mountains, right? The heads are above the clouds, (laughs) literally. And they're crystalline, some sort of force interactive crystalline structure. So you kind of start to ask yourself, well, who set this thing up and how long has it been there and why is it there? And, and you know, the conspiracy theorist in my mind goes back to stuff like um, the Foundation series where you have like that or uh, episode two <laughs> or with, um, you know, with Dooku going off and making a clone army, you know, 20 years ago that suddenly comes in. Now you, you have this this guy established this thing, you know, and. It's not going to be useful now, but like 10,000 years, it's going to pay off. Trust me. <laughs> that kind right. of a thing. Uh, that's sort of what it strikes me as. But it, it's, to me, it's just very interesting. It's sort of the, this is the local variation of how we deal with this force. Um, and that's kind of, that's that's a lot of what I took out of it.
2: Yeah.
3: How about you, Jason? Well, I thought it was interesting that, that they, the, they never give the name of the the bearded guy, the monk in charge or whatever. Um, But he tells her, you know, she wants to take this information to the Jedi. And he's like, no, you know, you're, you're trying to misuse what we're doing here. All we do is, you know, write it down. And she's like, what's the point? Why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. You know, we can do something more. We can fight. And, I kind of got the Obi-Wan Anakin vibes in episode two where, you know, Anakin's all gung-ho and trying to do all this stuff. And Obi-Wan's like, just calm down, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, uh, you know, (laughs) what if what if it would have went the other way? And Obi-Wan was like, all right, do your thing. Would he have, you know, felt all repressed and ended up in the dark side. But, you know, that was never his destiny.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was. Um, I just thought it was a cool setup. Like, the aesthetic looked really neat, and like the the pebbles and the rain and just everything, like having it down at the base of these huge things. It reminded me of the, um, uh, you know, this is, as, as much as I love Tolkien, this is, I'm not qualified to be on the uh, secrets of <laughs> Middle-earth, middle so it's, I can't remember... <laughs> The name of the the huge statues. I think it's a sealed and another one of the the kings. But those huge rock statues, the hands right? Pointing right to with the, the hands out. But like yep. these looked even bigger than those.
3: You know,
0: yeah. Like oh yeah. So uh,
1: that that seems like that might have I'm sure been in somebody's mind when they were animating it.
3: Well, when they were yeah, when they were <laughs> driving up the when they were driving up that mountain, I, I almost forgot that they were headed to the to those statues and they were they were driving. I'm like, why does that? Mountain looked like a hand, right You know, and it was just huge, way bigger than their than their speeder, you know? yeah, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, oh, she's going to the mountain. I forgot. yeah, that's right. She's going up the side of this statue. yeah, she's
1: going to yeah. the statue, that's right. And it's, it's neat here because I feel like I missed, you know, in the description here, it says that it's, it's years later that, you know, she's a teenage mechanic. I don't know how many years. I mean, by definition, that would have to be at least she's two. She's definitely bigger. So yeah. So I, I didn't really, for some reason, I think the costume change was enough to throw me off. So I, I knew some time had passed, but you know, this has now been this, this, uh, I don't want to say obsession, but you know, this, uh, dedication that she has you know to, to see this thing through and then of course we meet tool and I, I i thought that flashback was pretty cool um was there anything about about that you guys wanted to talk about in particular that's that struck you i i, I do have one criticism of our sith lord bishan here though from a practical <laughs> standpoint which is well, what's what, that what is that <laughs> on your face like
0: <laughs> i mean it was, that
2: was cool.
1: exactly
0: what my son said he's like yeah. can you see is he able like, to see through that? Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't
2: matter.
1: Buddy. <laughs> it's like, why just just grab the thing and you know, yeah, whatever. But and then he had that like scorpion tail thing or whatever that was. That was kind of cool. So he he was. It, I feel like it's got to be tricky when you're animating these guys or or, or you know, because anyone can write fan fiction. I mean, we can all you know take a crack at it. And I just as as much as I love to pick apart sometimes Star Wars, but I do try to put it back together respectfully as well. <laughs> but I, you know, to be fair, I, you know, yeah, I could probably come up with some cool ideas to me about like a Sith Lord, but I, I think it's probably harder than it looks to come up with someone that's compelling and not just like repeating what you've seen before. So I, this this one felt a little yeah, different. Some, something over the face seems to be a
3: tradition.
0: Yeah, that in, and we saw that Not just with the Sith Lord, but also with the monks, the Sith monks, whatever you want to call them, that they encounter on that asteroid planet. She's buying all the bombs and like he sits back and those you see the guys moving in the background with the red incense going off Mm -hmm. and you see their faces are completely covered. Like there is nothing showing. Right. And that is very like a very anti version of what like a Christian monk is always mm-hmm. going to have their face showing, right? Because that's, I mean, that's the primary point of interaction. Like I'm supposed to be spreading the word of Christ here. Like I can't do that if I didn't. And I, I thought that was just very interesting. Like there's just there is, um, you know, I think in, in the storytelling pattern of making the enemy faceless because then it's easier to you know kill them off or to hurt them or, or to do whatever. But it almost seems like we've or whoever's been in charge that that it's written into the lore that like Sith always go towards facelessness. There mm-hmm. is just this always this movement towards a mask or some sort of thing that doesn't move not just amongst the leadership or the actual Sith Lords but amongst everybody involved um, and then we see like the one real big break from that ends up being Palpatine. Um, yeah. Who but even his ends up like is- yeah (laughs) it makes me wonder (laughs) if if it's
3: for them to hide their emotions because you know they as a sith you're you know you're supposed to basically instill fear i mean that seems to be their mission right they 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 get what they want by power and overbearing everybody else so If they were to show any of that light side emotion,
1: it would ruin it. And Palpatine just had none of that. Well, and I think his his face, it's like his real face is the mask in so many ways because he's so deceptive. And I love like one of my favorite lines of his was at the beginning of episode two, you know, after the the attempt on Padme's life, you know, and he's talking to her and he's just such a snake. And he's just like, you know, the thought of losing you is unbearable you know like, yeah. you, <laughs> oh, like you're so just flying feel like, the sliminess so coming off yeah <laughs> you know it's just but um but even with someone like um that's the whole interesting dynamic with with uh ben solo and the whole kylo ren thing and like you know mask no mask but now of course to be fair we know that a lot of that was writing changes Euro- that were absolutely not planned and that they tried very hard to pretend were planned (laughs) part of a compelling narrative. But you know, I think they made it they made it work for their purposes. Um but but like Snoke. There you go, Angela, for listening. I brought Snoke up. (laughs) We (laughs) have it every time I do. Um
0: exactly this
1: speaking of Snoke, but even he is it's neat because, you know the way that they worked that out, like you could say almost like his entire character was basically a mask, you know, for for what Palpatine was up to. So yeah, I think you're right. There's there's this it's part and parcel, I guess, with deception, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. oh, I you know, for the for the meditation scene, slash flashback flashback, I thought I thought it was really cool how they showed the interaction between like his meditation and the effect it had, like the flashback had on the because I assume what he's doing is he's he's put himself into that space, into the meditative space and now, his body is reacting to that by affecting the the surrounding area like and that that floor was pretty cool. the light floor that he was sitting on, I'm like that would be neat for about twenty minutes, and then like you'd just get tired of light coming out your eyes <laughs> from the ground <laughs> but, but the whole well, thing, their, their like, tables
1: are always like that, but then to have the yeah, whole floor <laughs>
0: Right, <laughs> right that'd be a little rough um, diffused and light. then it sort of it establishes the whole eye thing. That he has running through this, this where you see it in the flashback where his eyes, when he gets to the point where he's just screaming, "I'm going to kill you," at the Sith Lord, and the, you get that kind of triangle or diamond pattern of orange red in his eyes, and then you see that flash when he, when the whoever his mentor is at that point, snaps him out of the trance, and you see it flash in his eyes at that point too. We get to see that play on. Um, so it was a lot. It was a really I think it was neat because it showed like the foreshadowing of sort of where he is. It showed where he is on his path. Um, it set up what his character struggles are. And it, it showed also kind of like the effect he can have on his environment, like his, you know, to put it in Dragon Ball Z terms, his power level. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, but that he, he, he really does. And, and the emotional, uh, his emotional nature. Yes. Yeah. You know, the the conversation between his mentor, you know, he has a lot of anger still in him and the other Right. Um the other Jedi there. No, it's not anger, it's fear. Um and the struggle that he then has with that through the rest of the I mean, as short as it is, but through the rest of the episode.
2: Yeah.
1: Well and then of course, you know, they link up and that that was some, some fun interaction I thought between the two of them. Like she's just instantly yeah. the the way they did the the camera angle <laughs> was probably my favorite one of my favorite shots. Is she just looks over and you just see his head you know, and she has to look down because he's shorter than than you know. She expected. It reminded me. I during COVID, um, when we were doing a lot of remote teaching, I had a. <laughs> I drew. I should. I should like sc- screenshot it or something. I drew this like um a little grid or this little like like a supposed Zoom window up on my my board in my classroom as like a Zoom don't kind of you know advice for people and it was a, I just drew this picture where at the top of this little cell you can basically see like a ceiling fan and then like you know a sports poster and something else and on the very very bottom there's just a tuft of hair in the middle and it's just says student with an arrow to it and I'm like I was like, guys, I know you're not paying attention to what we're doing. And, you know, it's like it might even be a wig. I don't know. Like, put your face <laughs> in the frame frame it correctly. So that, that I just had to laugh at that because as soon as she looks at him, I was like, oh, it's like he's on Zoom. <laughs> just like to angle down a little bit. So uh but that was some good banter, I thought, between them. You know, they uh, especially, you know I don't know if you guys have you gotten the impression as as I I know I have that this is like a really short amount of time, needless to say, you're dealing with, with these episodes to to create compelling characters. And I think I got to give them credit, you know, for for I think most of the time doing a really good job of giving us these characters, like you said, Patrick, that are uh, so relatable for some reason, even if you don't know why. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Well, and they do it with both of them. And, and yeah. I think that's really impressive to be able to do that with two characters within like a... 14 minute show yeah, right. where you can relate to both of them and, and understand why they're doing what they're doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they both have a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
0: And the banter continues at the end. Right. It's <laughs> just, just picks really picks right
2: good.
1: Up. <laughs> it's like the start of a friendship, you know? Yeah. Well, I love how like, you know, you have to have this Like They, they set out and then, you know, you need to have this stopover at this place that looks a lot like it was like a combination of that, uh, that place that Cassian Andor was uh, when we first see him in Rogue One <laughs> which was like two asteroids yeah, yeah. connected together whatever and then um like something out of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy you know like yeah, it's nowhere. just a really yeah, yeah. nowhere right yeah. right you know and then she's of course there and the guy I don't know I forget what the species that guy is uh, is on there but like the the clerk seems so interested in like you know, oh, what, do with that? That what are you going <laughs> to
2: you you gonna gonna blow up something that? up? You're going to blow like... the
0: planet? That's so exciting. Like, you need one know. of these.
1: He's just like, that guy, you know, it's like I, I rooted for him. I'm like, he's just, you know, he just doesn't get out much. He's, he's living vicariously <laughs> through her adventure. <laughs> he's got that
3: one thing he's been wanting to sell forever. It's just been sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Looking for the
1: right buyer. Did you guys ever see uh Ernest Scared Stupid? You know, the Ernest oh, yeah. movies with Jim Jim a long, uh, Jim a long time ago. Um and so he's he's going after this troll and you remember uh they would show up in all of the movies with him the brothers Bob and Bobby. And uh so in that one they have a like a like a general store and he goes in he needs to get like troll hunting equipment and they just take him for everything. He's I mean it's like it's complete it's like just all this junk and just nonsense. You got we got troll fight and spray, we've got troll sticks, like all this stuff that's just <laughs> just racking up dough. you know, I felt a little bit like that. She's like, "Give me one of those too." But her <laughs> stuff actually works, and it's, it's pretty cool. so they they get to the planet they're going to. You we know, go back to the statues, and, and like you said earlier, Jason, like going up that that huge trail after their ship of course, of course, gets you know attacked by Bishan's ship, and uh then we get this fight and um yeah I, this is probably a question mark for me because I, I don't really know if i fully understand the the moral you know or the takeaway of it you know in terms of the greater star wars context so um i thought i'd just maybe just open this this final scene up kind of widely just do you guys anything in particular you want to talk about with it um and then you know I, uh, we can get to the question about this blue and red starting to mix and purple and it's all you know it starts off as this like here's the light side here's the dark side and then i don't know if i really fully have quite grasped yet where we're going here with this this interaction here between the two i want to see what you guys thought i think i think disney since
3: since disney has taken over you know they they did rebels, they have the Bindu, right? Mm-hmm. Uh the one in the middle. Um so I think that they've been leading the force to it's not it's not black and white, it's very gray. Mm-hmm. And and we see that a lot in uh Rise of Skywalker with the the dyad and the force and everything yeah. that you had um, Kylo Ren, even you know, even though he was in the process of turning back to the to the light side, um, you really had the dark and the light together between Kylo Ren and Ray. And so I think that that's where they're going. The Lucas film is going as a whole, that mm-hmm. that the force isn't black and white anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you think about uh,
0: it? You know, this was something we talked a lot about in episode one. Uh, visions because that has a very similar conclusion with that character kind of coming to terms with her the darkness that she is still dealing with after oh right yeah to go back and and check
2: right the artist yeah
0: yeah and you know at the end of the day her resolution is to kind of own the dark portion um Mm -hmm. and to move forward in, in some kind of balanced state and um that's kind of very similar I think. Moral-wise, what we have going on here is sort of the, it's kind of an exploration of like, what is a balanced state look like in the force? Because you have a lot of talk from sort of, you know, I guess Yoda. I'm trying to think if there's been another Jedi, we've heard a lot about the whole, um, of balance within the force Mm -hmm. and what that means and how that plays out. And, um, you have the establishment kind of like of the the force and there being like a light side of the force and a dark side of the force. But then, what that actually means practically the more you explore that conceptually and then you have um, these, you know, effectively quasi or simply religious orders, the Jedi mm-hmm. and the Sith and how they interplay with the dark and the light side. And there's a lot of incongruities in, in a lot of, if you really dive deep into like the theology to you to, I don't mm-hmm. really know if there's a better word really for it, but on the light side and the dark side, you hit a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, it strikes me as somebody trying to kind of puzzle fit, you know, the best or some of the better parts of like Buddhism and, and the parts yeah. that they liked about Christianity and just sort of <laughs> trying and, right. and puzzle fit. And then what you get is not a real good puzzle fit because the pieces don't fit. Um, Cause the the whole, if you start unraveling any part of that, uh, ball of wax the whole thing kind of falls apart in yeah. either system of belief and so I, sorry go ahead
1: yeah no because I, I agree totally and because I what's always come to mind with with me is is you know I mean I, I love Star Wars I always will but like it's not you know make make no mistake about it I have plenty of issues with <laughs> with you know when it comes to the real world in my Catholic faith with, with some of the perspective of of light versus dark right. and, and like because it's very dualistic which is not what we believe um yeah i mean the devil is not god's you know nemesis he's a creature you know like there's no (laughs) like there's no comparison between the light and the dark i had a priest years ago i loved it you know he just i was going through a rough time and he described the you know it was a a reinforcement of the power of god and and you know not let me get disheartened about you know or give the devil too much credit and he just said he's like you know when you flip a light switch on light and dark don't battle it out in this immortal you know (laughs) you know he's like no it's just gone like the light you know the light banishes the dark and what's neat to me is like lucas himself you know who i i can't remember i think he had a a, i want to say like a methodist more or less kind of upbringing like he had a you know kind of mainstream christian exposure as a child and and has read widely and everything um but i don't know that you know, he's, he's ever claimed to be particularly pious or anything like that, or a real believer. Um, but he had a a short, you've probably seen it on YouTube, you know, years ago, someone asked him about, you know, this, and, and he, he has a short, like, I don't know, one or two minute breakdown of, of what his whole concept of the dark side was and the light side. And it's so clear and simple and it's, it's, you know, you're going out in the world and you're tempted to the dark side that wants to, you know, cast shadows over the path that you're supposed to walk and to make you less than what you're meant to be and it's it's a very Christian sounding notion of the dark being this this negation of the, the good and this emptiness and it's not real power and all of that that I would very much agree with so so yeah I don't know when I see stuff like this I always get a little like squirmy you know <laughs> like well yeah. oh, it's the purple
2: <laughs> yeah well that's it, it has it's, very, it's like
1: Manichaean kind of or there's this very like right.
0: the, dualist the, yeah, yeah. Dual, and that's exactly what you have going on with the two two giant statues looking at each other that are connected by this you know halo yeah. effectively that also, you know like the you know the halo is supposed to be the, the light shining in from the divine realm behind the saint or whatever that's just supposed to showcase you know mm-hmm. this guy's special whenever you see it in a drawing or anything and what we have here is this giant halo connecting these two statues' heads, the dark head and the light head. And then through that is the rain that comes down that hits the stones that gives you the prophecies about the future. So this is supposed to be sort of portents of the future coming through this mm-hmm. this halo that's set up. And, like, it's interesting. What I One of the things, another thing I like about the Vision series is they get to kind of delve into this sort of stuff. And it's not canon, right? <laughs> like, right. Like they get to sort of explore these. Okay, well, if if we take this one saying of this Jedi or this one saying of this Sith, and we really run down this rabbit hole, what where do we get to?
2: Mm-hmm. And is it
0: really consistent with the rest of the mythology or the or the theology of the systems? Um, yeah. And I think this was a this was kind of a fun one.
2: Anybody
3: Absolutely wonder if they're just using some of these episodes, looking for more stories? And they're
1: all of it, <laughs> The writers are gonna be like, "That's the one. We're gonna expand on that." I wouldn't blame. I mean, it's it's a it's a neat way to. I don't want to say it's like throwing spaghetti against the wall, you know, or, or cast it that way. But but you know, from a from the standpoint of of trying things out, I feel like it is a good venue, you know, to try certain things out. Because for sheer entertainment, this- I'd I'd love yeah, the Wallace and Gromit guys to come back and do oh some gosh, more of that, you so- know, just for pure entertainment. So great! Oh, I would lo- you know love to see Sean the Sheep end up in there somehow, you know. Somehow? <laughs> I don't know
0: if you if you guys uh, a Tim- Timmy and Grogu mashup. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes, on the last podcast. But there
0: are a ridiculous number of Easter eggs in the Wallace and Gromit. It is like all easter eggs you just stare at the background and you're like oh my goodness <laughs> i have to go
1: back and look more closely yeah. i only saw that one once oh my gosh i'll totally go oh, yeah. back yeah, yeah, well yeah. i want to make sure we do uh, you know kind of give a, a half and half ish treatment here so is there anything else you know in particular you guys want to cover you know about this episode that, that jumped out at you i mean we've hit on quite a few things i think you're already but i want to jump I to just the like other that they both
3: had a cl- conclusion you know the that yeah. tool realized that he was sent there for a reason that that thing that it was going to keep bothering him if he didn't, you know, confront it Confront front Yeah. And. uh Ara realized that there was no reason to blow it up because it's all going to just keep going mm-hmm. and
1: all she can do is do her part and fight her battles. not that, that the old prayer right about the. uh <laughs> Wisdom to or, you know, the courage to accept the things you cannot change, you know, yeah. wisdom to, <laughs> to know the difference, you know. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I absolutely loved the artwork in this one. Um, mm-hmm. Everything was at a grandiose scale. Everything. like yeah. Every shot is shot in such a way to make whatever you're looking at as grandiose as it possibly can be. And it really fits like it, it's not done in like a cheesy way or like a way to kind of give it pomp and circumstance or anything, but it really works with the storyline. Yeah. Uh, and I really love, I, I loved all the artwork from this. And I love yeah. the fights. The fight was amazing.
2: It was really On cool. On
0: top of the statue. And then when they're inside of that <laughs> ring and fighting each other and the, the, the speeder out of the back of the dying spaceship, knocking the other spaceship out of the way. I was like, this is a solid fight. <laughs> this is a good fight scene right here.
1: It was one where I felt that, that yeah, like I agree totally. Like if, if, if this were a series, you know, like, like Clone Wars or something, I mean like the, this specific studio, you know, just doing like a series, like episode after episode, I feel like that, that would hold up really well, you know, yeah. just the, the look of it. I was left with one, one question. I just, I just
3: remembered was, yeah. Why were there no more monks in that? You know where the rocks were. Yeah. What, you know, because Ara was, I don't know, what five, ten years maybe older. Probably not much. Mm-hmm. Where'd everybody go? Why are they? Why aren't they there anymore?
0: Yeah,
1: I don't know. They're <laughs> yeah.
0: <We're> all hiding.
3: <laughs> and maybe, or maybe, maybe because they're... it wasn't raining, they were,
0: you know, oh, off true. doing something else. <laughs> yeah. Like we only
1: have to come in here when it rains. Yeah. yeah. Hang out the temple. <laughs> well that's uh for now that's 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 where we'll put a bow on it for that episode but um and i'll mention at the end of course um you know in our total wrap-up as always you know any if, if you guys listening if there's anything in particular you're thinking about along the way you want to share with us as far as feedback goes for you know the specific episodes of course you know feel free to do that but uh we are going to jump now to our second half here, the uh, the Spy Dancer episode, episode six, and this one is out of uh, Studio La Cachette, which is pretty French sounding to me. This was <laughs> I said to the guys, uh, well, let, let me let me let me give the quick description, then I have a quick little kick off because uh, I think it was pretty obvious. Um, little aesthetic um, you know feel here on this that that popped up and I want to share it so this is the description on Wikipedia for this episode it uh, says around 20 years after the formation of the empire which is strange that they phrase it that way because I'm pretty sure that just you know is another way of saying this takes place during the original trilogy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know roughly so around 20 years after the formation of the empire a group of aliens with heterochromia that's two different eye colors by the way for those Keeping score, um, and Small Horns run a high-class club, which is frequented by stormtroopers. It is revealed that the club's primary dancer, and I think it was, was it Lowey, I think was how it was pronounced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's spelled. Differently than I thought. The club's primary dancer, Loi, leads a faction of the Rebel Alliance that consists of the rest of her staff, and she places trackers on the Stormtrooper's armor during her dance performances. One night, she spots a familiar-looking officer, and in a flashback, it is revealed that 20 years prior, her infant child was taken from her by this supposed officer. Against her ally's wishes, she plans to kill the officer, only to realize that it is her child, now fully grown and integrated into the Empire. As her group battles through the soldiers and the officer's KX-series droid, who is pretty cool, Loey uh, t- takes the officer to the roof and offers proof that he is indeed her child, leaving him confused. The club's maitre d', it's, uh, I think it's Hetis. H E with the accent aigu. That's as best my French can, can do either. So <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it,
2: it, so, <laughs> job. Yeah, so. her,
1: her friend helps Loey escape, and then Loey reveals that she left him or her son a hollow device of him as an infant, which itself has a tracker on it. The officer uh, views the hologram and uncovers his severed horns. You just see little red marks there. So this one was pretty cool. Uh, we had, again, the cast, the only one I recognized uh, Lambert Wilson. Uh, who is uh he was in the um uh some of the matrix movies. He was that Merovingian character inside the Matrix. And for our Catholic our Catholic audience here, he's also the abbot in the uh the movie, if I can think of the name of it now. It was about the uh the Tiburine monks in North Africa. Did you guys see that one? Can't think of the name of it now. Of Gods and Men. Um Gods and Men 2010 that came out. He plays Christian who's the um the the abbot of the, I think it was a, I don't know if they're Cistercian monks, I forget which, but they were the the true story of these monks who were, um, uh, it, it's like an extended passion, it's almost like a passion play type movie, but uh, with them, and uh, that story takes place in the mid-90s, but that movie came out in 2010, and I I do recommend it to folks, so he's in there, uh, but he does the voice of uh, John, who is one of her compatriots who's trying to help get their, their, uh, Exit strategy worked out <laughs> with this shuttle with Tie Fighter
3: wings. He seems on it, to be cool. the leader of their little rebellion. It does, yeah. She right. seems it, to be answering to him
0: a little cell. bit.
1: And he talks about that. He talks about you know reporting or you know, doing this is going to help the rebellion. So they're they're integrated into that effort, that broader effort, and are pretty far into that. But uh, so just jumping into this one, I mean, obviously there's a what jumped out of me, and I'll turn it over to you guys. A uh, pretty strong pro life message here. I think as far as, you know, the the uh, the, the mother son connection here, the the horror of just I mean, even just watching that flashback scene was just, you know, that's stuff like that's hard human, for me. Human trafficking. And yeah, my gosh. That. Um, And I don't know what that that officer's motivations would have been there, but uh, they don't really get into that. But what, what were your guys first impressions here of this episode and the look and just, you know, anything you want to highlight up front? At first, it looked like we were
3: literally going to, you know, where they're going to have go-go dancers and stuff. And I'm like, what are they doing (laughs) in Star Wars, man? Yeah. But but when they got into, you know, the dance and stuff, it was more... It almost looked like she would have had to me, it seemed like she would have had to use the force to be able to do what she was doing. I mean, I know it's animation and you can do whatever you want in animation. Right. But. It, it looked to me like she would have had to use the force to be able to mm. extend that. Uh, that cloth. Yeah. That tape, the, the yeah, the train or whatever that was, mm-hmm. it, as far as it went, and and make it do all those things. It's just what it seemed like to me. It seemed to me like Lowey and and Hatus. Hey, 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 it, it, to me, it seemed like both of them would have been force users. That's I could be wrong, but I don't know. No,
0: that's me Patrick? as well. Like you, you yeah. some of the stuff she does, and the, the cloth is of varying size throughout her performance Mm -hmm. like you you look at some things like it's way bigger there than it was right a minute ago and then a minute it seems to have shrunk down and like if she had landed and walked around she would have been like
2: (laughs) completely drained
0: yeah (laughs) little thin strips so i I, yeah i think force is a good explanation for that um
2: it was a pretty cool style
0: yeah um I'm trying to come up with a word that doesn't sound bad, like because I want to <laughs> say like, like muddied or or sort of sketchish, but not that's not quite the word. Yeah, right. I know muddied mean, makes yeah. it sounds bad, but it's really good. It has this really sort of alive feel to it or mm-hmm. a living feel to it, uh, and it it makes it makes the characters. I don't know, real. I don't know how to put. Yeah, that, it, it makes them feel a lot very real.
1: There was, it was almost like a, there was like a grittiness. Yeah, I can't think of a good word either, but it's, it's, it was very different. It was very different than everything else we've seen, you know, on there for sure. And, uh, and the thing I mentioned to you guys at the, at the outset, I mean, it's, it's very obvious, at least I think that, you know, there's a, you know, like occupied France during world war two kind of vibe to this, right. You know, and these guys, yeah. like you could, you could so easily, maybe it's cause I had, I had just seen, um indiana jones and the dial of destiny so I, no, I, a <laughs> no lot spoilers of, i don't nope, <laughs> but a lot of you know um it's 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 no spoiler but you know what you've seen in the, the trailers and stuff about you know the de-aging and all that so like his a portion of it you know with seeing nazis you know and everything and i was just thinking like wow, i could imagine you know nazi officers or german soldiers right and they're they're in this Place and she's, you know, doing this incredibly, you know, elaborate dance and putting trackers of some kind on them or some, or, or steal, I don't know, planting something on them, stealing something from them, getting intel. It kind of had that feel. Um, and I didn't look here. It doesn't say on here. I'd have to go back and look at the credits. Uh, I don't know who's doing the music for this one, but there was, I, that was, that caught my attention. There's something about the music in this that I thought was particularly um, unique, you know, and, and really fit for some reason.
0: It was that frog guy with the pipe. He was doing... Oh, totally.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was that guy. What, I, you know, I should have looked closer. Is that... Was that the same species as the frog woman in Mandalorian? I should go back and check because that would huh. be kind of a, a cool connection. Yeah, that's, a, that's the, the Halloween costume idea for this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Jimmy... <laughs> a, if Jimmy's listening to this with all those pipes, he's got a collection. <laughs> you know. Frog at least, to, if he doesn't want to dress up like a frogman, you know, at least maybe he can lend a pipe to someone who would be willing yeah. to uh, to take on that <laughs> that incredibly niche
3: Halloween <laughs> <outloaning Yeah>. costume.
1: <laughs>
3: oh my goodness! Did you notice we we had a oh, the first overweight uh, storm stormtrooper that yeah, I saw. ever saw? He that was a big fella. He when he pulled his helmet him. off, he looked more. His, you know, head and neck they made him look more buff. Mm-hmm. But standing outside on the street before they went in, he's pretty rotund. Yeah, it wasn't a flattering <laughs> art suit of armor
2: <laughs> per se. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was it was because this I wasn't sure at first. Like I was wondering, I was asking all these questions, trying to line people up, and I was wondering if if uh, if Hades it was like, you know, she she Lois' daughter is this your know, friend? Like, what you know, I was trying to get that, but I, I don't think they didn't really approach that. Just you know, a coworker, someone else in the cause, but I did get the impression that you know maybe there has been in the absence of this tragedy that Lowey's dealing with. You know, the, like maybe she has, well, I think pretty clearly, you know, has been able to exercise some degree of, of this motherly role, you know, to uh, to her, uh, which was kind of cool. Yeah, when she's uh, telling her, you know, you're not ready, just,
3: you know, hold on. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and they, there's, it's right before they begin the performance, they're all standing at the, right before they go through the the hole in the floor. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, you know, it's something like, uh, for the ones we've lost. Yeah. Right. And they all say it. Right. And so you get this feeling once you get that flashback. Harkening back to that, that she's not the only one that went through this, right? Mm -hmm. They killed everybody in my village. That's what she says and stole my son. So she's like the sole survivor from the village. Mm -hmm. It's entirely possible that it's true of everyone else in that group. Right. Um, And so when you're in that situation, it's very likely you're going to be fulfilling those roles for each other. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mother. They became the family. Exactly. Like that was the built in family
1: um yeah
0: and well I that's think, something
1: we see that's that's really good recurring you, I mean you see that in Star Wars and Rebels you see that in you know in Andor they did that with him and the guys in prison like that that's a recurring theme I think that they, they do well
0: yeah I mean it's I, I mean that's exactly what Luke goes through right
2: yeah like, <laughs> rapidly <laughs> like, right
0: like twice basically he just happens to,
2: but he has this
1: <laughs> this weird thing of, of you know finding his actual sister and uh his father's trying to kill him. So there's
2: is... a, <laughs> and he gets he
3: over he's... his, his aunt and uncle's death real fast. Real Very fast. quickly.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: cause then, then he rapidly has to deal with uh, Ben's death. Yep. <laughs> or or Obi yeah. and Kenobi's death. And he
3: acts <laughs> like,
1: like he knew him for a million years.
3: That's right. He was a great man. <laughs>
1: I always love that thing, and that um, I can't ever recommend. I always feel guilty bringing it up because it's definitely not for children. But the, uh, the, uh, the, the Family Guy Star Wars had their moments, and I always laugh with like the scene when, when the, like the the orchestra's playing, and then like you know Chris as Luke freaks out because like all of a sudden John Williams and the orchestra get killed by the stormtroopers too, and, oh, he's, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like John Williams, we're gonna have to do the rest of this movie with Danny Elfman. <laughs> They <laughs> fucking play Daniel. <laughs> oh my gosh! But I digress. No, but, but this was—I I gotta say—I really thought the uh, uh, two of the just just sort of, you know, I—I don't that credibly significant, you know, to the story. But two of the things I thought were kind of the coolest, just you know, features of this was her um her wrist thing, like the t- like the telescoping assassin. Blade that you know comes yeah. out of her bracelet. I'm like, gracious! Like that is <laughs> that's uh that's handy. Uh, I suppose for someone to help.
3: She's got good control of it when she stops short does. of killing the officer. Oh
2: my gosh!
0: Well, it's yeah. like, it's interesting. It's not part of her normal costume, right? Like, like she she sees who, who she thinks is the old and the old officer, and she scurries. Gets everybody to go through the hole in the bottom to get them to go into the you know well, you're now a part of the underground now for real, mm-hmm. <laughs> like
2: head on out,
0: go pick them up. She's calling her her friend or whatever about picking them up, but she's got to take care of business, and that's when she straps on those things and she I, I really want to get a better close look at what she's got in that cabinet. Because it yes. doesn't look like just it look it looks like some pretty sweet weaponry in there. <laughs> at the end of the day, um, but she goes yeah, after him with those tube things.
3: She's loaded for bear. <laughs> she had a really cool cabinet that she pulls her uh uh the intercom out of. It looked mm-hmm. like one of the protocol droids. Did you guys notice that? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah well, Sitting know, on her vanity, her body. makeup vanity.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well
3: I. I it, Oh god, like, yeah. It's
0: interesting. She goes from like the conversation she has with, um, god, what is her name?
1: Hey, oh, the the girl. Hey, Hades yeah. or Hades? Yeah.
0: Hades, yeah. The conversation she's having with Hades, and then the one she has with the the guy, the mechanic. I can't remember his name. Either. John. John. It's all this sort of like, okay, we're doing what we're doing. This is just another day. Um, like, I eventually, I want to move on. We want to get out of here. And then, like, the minute she sees who, th- who she thinks is this old general, she's, like, snapped into action. Like, And I'm, like, moving full force. Get everybody out. We're going now. I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> Things are going to go down. <laughs> we're moving. I don't care what's going to happen, you know. And it's interesting because like she's describing like I want to move on and then she gets presented with this opportunity to like force it like she is because that's exactly what she says. Like this is going to set me free if I can mm-hmm. do this, which – and what she's talking about is killing a man, right? This killing this guy is going to set me free um, and that is the way I'm going to move on, which, you know, if Batman has taught me anything, <laughs> killing people <it's> just not. <laughs> Does not result in being able to move on. So um, <laughs> I thought that was interesting that that was sort of this, this theme we watched this um, character move through. It's really, really rapid, but you, you understand it. Like it's a move from um, I had this terrible thing happen to me. It's been mm-hmm. years. I've sort of made a life for myself, but I really haven't moved on. And I want to move on. And then suddenly an opportunity presents itself to, yep. to get vengeance.
1: Well, and she and she fundamentally is, you know, when she when she thinks her son is completely gone and there's no chance, then it's it's easy to kind of have the the killing of this guy be the be all end all, right? You know, that's that's the (laughs) that's the best I can hope for. You know, at least that gives me something. There's some kind of closes the loop there. But then the moment that she realizes that it's him and he's still alive and this, you know, even though he's completely brainwashed he's this imperial officer is as high as the challenges to that or the unlikelihood that she's ever going to really get him back like it's neat to see her character change to just the power of of any kind of hope and i mean that's life that's that's our our, our faith or i think of gandalf again this my second lord of the rings reference where he says you know there never there there never <laughs> was much hope <laughs> Are you guys listening over out there? Uh, yeah. you know, secrets of Middle Earth. This is my tryout. No, I'm just kidding. No, but when he says <laughs> when he says something about like um, you know, there never was much hope, just a fool's hope. But that's you know, sometimes is that that's that's all you need, right, to keep you keep you going. Yeah. Well, um, it's
0: you know, because she once I get and I, I think I need to probably watch it again to see where she figures out that it's him. But she, it's like a a complete reversal again. She goes. And now, instead of I have something to kill for, it's I have something to live for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um,
3: she figures it out when she's up in that that booth where he's sitting the or the yeah. upper deck or whatever. Right when she sees when, him, yeah. when she when she pulls out that that pokey blade out of her wrist, she stops short of killing him because she realizes this isn't an old man.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: she even says it on the roof. She says, "You're as old as my son should be." You know, maybe not those words, but that's basically what she's saying. And she realized at that moment, up in that booth, when she's ready to kill him, this isn't an old man.
2: This is my son. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, it's interesting, too, like his eye patch, I was wondering if it was,
1: if something actually happened to his eye or if it was just a convenient thing. Like he's covering it up because he has the two different eye colors. Like, like she would. Maybe. That, yeah. That's a good idea.
0: There that, was a, that'd um, be my guess for the, because, you know, he's shaved his horns down. Yeah. You know, I'm really human, right? I'm not, I'm not some alien race. Because I think somehow, it was
3: how. Well, we, we, we know Palpatine oh. other than maybe Thrawn, Palpatine doesn't like non-humans. Right. Yeah.
0: They're, they're like ultra race. Especially in right? officer positions.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you guys, Um, I, I, I. The only other alternative would be the um, it would be too silly. You ever, I think it was the second Mummy movie where, like the, it was like the the this, you know who, who has made this reference lately? But the blimp pilot that they link up with, you know, and he's like, "What happened to your eye?" Because he's eye patch. He's like, "Oh, nothing." He lifts it up, and his eyes funny. He's like, "I just think it makes me look more dashing." <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's a good, you know, maybe a good, good move. But uh, yeah. but that was the only thing I, I thought that that would. I don't really know. They would. They, I feel like they would have to do something, right? Because of Palpatine's position, because of that, you know, you'd you'd have to have something have happened to him, or his eyes not, you know, the two colors, or makes it
2: a little less immediately obvious who he is. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, it it does a good job of um kind of telegraphing what they're getting at between the two of them, because uh, she, his mother, realizes it pretty soon, right?
2: Who mm. he is.
0: And he doesn't right. And that is like, he is, he's unsighted, right. He's got half of his vision. He can only see half of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of like when he is talking to her about who he is, you know, the empire brings order and it, you know, it, I've been a son, you know, just like my father before me and we're you know, effectively touting all the, you know, we're heroes and we're the good guys and stuff. And so he's got kind of that, you know, we would call it, um, rose-tinted glasses, but he can only see half of the picture, right?
1: Right, that's a good point. He's
0: only getting, like, half of what the Empire really is. Whereas she is, like, she's lived the other half of what the Empire is.
2: Hmm. Cool. Well, well,
1: and then, of course, they have this escape at the end, which I don't know. Now, this is kind of a funny connection. (laughs) It's a bit of a stretch. Because, to be fair, Lambert Wilson was not in the first Matrix movie. But in the first Matrix movie, right, when they go to rescue, uh, I don't know if you, guys, if you guys thought of this right away, but I th- immediately this is what came to mind. When, so when Loey jumps off, you know, and she's, she's, she's reaching out there, and Hades, like, j- jumps out of the shuttle, and they, they slam together, and she catches her and pulls her in. It's exactly the same move they did to get Morpheus when they're oh, in the helicopter. Yeah. I, wow. I, I didn't that. catch it Bring until you mentioned it, but it and yeah, he in. jumps out. And I just wow. kind of laughed because I was like, "Now, there's a bit of a stretch, you know, Matrix connection, but I mean, that's not more of a stretch than just the uh, the 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 uh, the KX droid totally being the Terminator, you know." And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just there's all these I fun like how, cultural vibes.
0: <laughs> I like how he, you know, he rips that one droid in half, and then by the end of it, he has been ripped in half. Like he gets his comeuppance right. almost immediately. Yep. Um, that, was, that was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that.
1: Droid <laughs> karma. Yeah. <laughs> and we know they're pretty durable because I like one of my favorite lines that Kay has in uh, in, in Rogue uh, Rogue One was when they're they're approaching Scarif you know, and they're talking about like what happens if the uh the shield doesn't open and they he's like they smash into it and they'll all like be scattered into the vacuum of space and die. And he's just like not me. I won't die. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, I can survive in space. <laughs> Jerk. but apparently you can't survive being ripped in half so but uh, well yeah, actually but it
0: does it, it ends up grabbing uh, hate yeah 80s
1: true it has to be torn in half twice I suppose right. then the head has to be ripped off yeah, That's just,
0: yeah. <laughs> like a real Terminator right? <laughs> exactly
1: yeah <laughs> Well, and they did something similar with IG um, in Mandalorian, right? When he went nuts, yep. you know, his, what was left of him <laughs> started going yep. after Grogu on the ground. I was like, this is so original th- uh, Terminator. I love it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, is there anything else, you know, you guys wanted to, you know, wanted to cover or bring up from either one of these episodes? Maybe just to, you know, as we near the end of the show here well, today. I, th-
3: I thought it was interesting that they put these two episodes back to back. Because there was a couple elements that I saw, and I didn't catch how it was the Matrix, you know, the Matrix scene where he reaches out to grab Morpheus. That was cool. But I noticed that there was something about in uh, Return to the Darkhead or Journey to the Darkhead, they tool is falling and off the mountain oh, yeah. and Ara goes down cause she knows she has the parachute and she goes down and she catches him and you know, they drift down to safety yeah. and then the same thing happens. I think it even happens a couple times because they're uh, in this, in the dance when she realizes that it's her son and she kind of falls down Hades jumps down to try to save her. Right. It right, doesn't right. really do a good job then. But then at the end of the episode, she does it. So I just thought yeah. that was an interesting uh, comparison or similarity between the two. I don't know why sure. they did that or if both of them had that same idea or if it was written in the script, you know, from or like a, the idea from Lucasfilm. I'm not sure why that happened, but hmm. I
2: thought that was interesting. Yeah. Totally. How about you, Patrick? Any last thoughts? Any concluding observations?
0: (laughs) Um, you know, what's interesting to me is there seem to be some uh, real direct ties between a lot of these in and amongst themselves, uh, at least theming wise. I think you know we had a lot of balance uh, discussion or conceptual conceptualization between a few of the episodes. We've got sort of we've got a lot of family stuff Mm -hmm. um you know i think episode three was the two sisters on the planet the next episode is going to be the brother and the sister who are fleeing the destruction of their hometown this episode was a you know the the lat or the episode six is a a mother and son yeah and the the last episode is a father and daughter
2: Mm -hmm. and there's
0: a mother and you know number four is i am your mother so there's (laughs) just a lot of that um, family stuff going on. And it's interesting yeah. to me that I think uh, maybe the last one, not as much, but the rest of them have all been set in the Imperial time frame. And mm. they're all very much mm. of the opinion that the Empire destroys family. And it's been yeah. interesting to me to see the different ways in which they're portraying that. Because it's sort of, you know, we have the the sort of, I don't know what you call it, kidnapping of the child. Right. Um, that occurs in this one. There's the two sisters being left in the wilderness. There's the the brother and sister who are on the run, who end up having to split up. <coughs> one's a force user, and one's not. And sort of like the the dissolution of the family, conceptually, like what what the Empire really brings to the table.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and then there's there's also, I think there's like you said, a French French resistance, sort of a deep running theme of the Empire does its best to destroy the culture mm-hmm. of of where And we saw this very bluntly in Andor. I want to say the uh, third episode, especially with the, you know, on the planet and then kind of getting rid of these people's ancient sacred ritual because they wanted to build a landing field there. And sort of, this is just the kind of thing the empire does. It's just wipe out these cultures. And then yep. we're sort of, Visions is is an interesting way to explore that kind of what that looks like to people on the ground.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Well, and we have
1: a couple more to go here in this uh, this season. So uh, so if you guys are good, I'm just going to start to wrap it up here and preview what's coming up, too. (laughs) So that's it from us for this week. Listeners, What did you think of these two episodes of Visions? Please let us know. As I said earlier, just email us over at StarWars at SQPN.com. Uh, or you can visit the StarQuest Discord community as well at SQPN.com slash Discord. You can find StarQuest on Facebook at Facebook.com uh, slash StarQuest Media and on Twitter at SQPN. And previous episodes of this show, if you need to go back and follow up on anything Check out some of the uh, the greatest hits. That's over at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our Secrets of Star Wars patrons, as always, uh, including a special shout-out this week to Sherry V, Caroline, or Carolyn G. I apologize, because I know that (laughs) sometimes that can be contentious if it's Caroline or Carolyn. So uh, we thank you, Caroline or Carolyn G. Father Jacob M., Barbara J., and Rock K., that's cool. I hadn't seen that name before. So their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Please tell all your friends, all of them, to follow The Secrets of Star Wars and Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and really any of your, your favorite podcast apps. Uh, I like to use Pocket Casts. Personally, that's that's a good one. Anywhere you can you know follow the show and, and listen, uh, uh, please leave us a good rating and review uh, wherever you can. And on YouTube also, if you want to subscribe to the channel on YouTube, that'd be great. Click that bell to get notifications. And we'd appreciate a nice review on there as well. So last but not least, don't forget to visit sqpn.com slash merch. We can get all kinds of cool stuff over there. Helps support SQPN's mission. All right, we'll be back in two weeks to unpack Visions Season 2, Episodes 7, The Bandits of Golak, and Episode 8, The Pit. So please mark your calendars because you're not going to want to miss that. So until next time, Patrick Mason, thank you so much for joining me to share the secrets of Star Wars.
0: Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
1: Hey, absolutely. And Jason Yuji, thanks so much to you as well. I enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Hey God bless and once again I'm Mike Creevy. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest.
0: Here's another podcast on the Star Quest network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com/secrets.